He is none other than Snoop Dogg. Yeah, I've been bringing a piece of candy for you to look at. You might be able to taste it later, too. <laughs> Will Ferrell. I also ran into John Elway in the bathroom. He could have he given me a forearm shiver there. <laughs> Could have rammed my head. Long snapping expert Adam Carolla. We don't call ourselves long snapping what? expert. What do we We're, call ourselves? You just say black belt. You don't say black belt <laughs> karate expert. Black belt says it all. Matthew Perry. Our casting director said, "What about Nick Jonas? He's a pretty good actor." And I said, "Okay, great. Someone tell me who he is." <laughs> I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Presented by Papa John's, here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to a bonus edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Papa John's. We spoke at length uh, with Michael Lombardi on a previous podcast about uh, what shook down in the NFL draft, but uh, I wanted to get the EF Hutton on the line. When he talks, people listen. And uh, a lot of people will now be listening uh, to our Thursday night football broadcasts on NFL Network as he is now um, in the booth with Brad Nessler starting this fall on NFL Network. I'm talking about the one, the only Mike Mayock joining me on the podcast once again. Mike, how you doing, pal? I'm doing great, Rich. How you doing, man? Well, I'm fine. Are you? I, I, I would love to know how you wind down after the draft. <laughs> how, how do you wind down after the draft? Because I know... Uh, on Saturday night, after you and I were done with the draft, uh, I, I passed out basically before 11 o'clock. Um, I saw you briefly uh, at a dinner, and um, I passed out, and I, I still dreamt that, that there were still picks coming off the board. I was dreaming that I was still doing the NFL draft. <laughs> I kid you not. I, it's kind of crazy because all week I've been waking up at like, five o'clock in the morning because that's what I've been doing and you've got this moment of panic as you wake up like what tape do I have to watch today what about that division three kid that I haven't seen yet what about and and all of a sudden you go wait a minute it's over we're we're done this is pretty good (laughs) so it's been a good week I've had a chance to relax and and just kind of enjoy it and uh, it's been really good yeah but have you filled the void with golf yet have you teed it up? Uh, I actually played one of the best golf courses in the world on Tuesday and Wednesday at uh, out in Pittsburgh called Oakmont. Oh, please. Fantastic. I got a phone call Monday night at 8 o'clock. Picture this. Monday at 8, I'm cooking dinner. And this guy calls me from Oakmont and says, I've got the cabin on the 18th overlooking the green. Mm. It's a five-bedroom cabin. There's, I'm the only one here. I got tea times tomorrow, Wednesday. And by the way, there's a flight leaving Philly in two hours, 10.30 p.m., and you need to be on it. <laughs> and I did. And you were there. I did. I sprinted to that airport so fast, and I had a blast. And uh, and now I've got my son, who plays football at Villanova, mm-hmm. and he's coming over for dinner with six of his teammates in about an hour and a half, and, and they, they are expecting cooked-out, beautiful sirloin and filet. Mm-hmm. So uh, there are seven of them coming over. i got 14 steaks, hot dogs, <laughs> chicken. And he's got a buddy that's a 330-pound tackle named Booch. Booch? Booch is, Booch is, yeah, Booch is 330 pounds. Mm-hmm. He's from Pittsburgh. And all Booch cares about tonight is steak. He doesn't want rice. <laughs> 
Booch doesn't want salad. He's Booch not. not he, want... It's not going to be a well-rounded meal, is what you're saying for Booch. Dude, he no dessert. Booch was here last year when I did this thing, and I was surprised that he used utensils. <laughs> but he was very significantly interested in the quality of the steak in front of him. And that's the so the, those are his me- his measurables are off the chart. Booch's. <laughs> We, we could be talking about Booch in two years. Maybe so. And, and, and Booch, that would be kind of cool if Booch was on my list. That would be great. That would be great. And then came uh, Thursday's news that uh, you are now going to be in the NFL Network booth with Brad Nessler. Uh, congratulations on that, Mike. It's it's well-deserved. I would just want to know what your thoughts are on that. It's kind of weird, Rich. And I'll, I'll level with you. I mean, I, I always look at myself the same way I did 15 years ago when I started this thing. And I'm a coach's son. And you know what our industry is. It's mostly former players and coaches with Hall of Fame credentials. That's the normal way. And and I don't have those Hall of Fame credentials. But if somebody told me 10 months ago that I'd be doing Notre Dame games on NBC, followed by an NFL playoff game on NBC, followed by the NFL Network offering me their eight-game primetime package, I'd have looked at them like they had six heads. And be like, you know, let's let's be real here. You know, let's just keep grinding and not worry about that kind of stuff because that's not going to happen for me. So, it's a bit surreal, and I enjoy it. But at the end of the day, it's football, and that's what I love to do. And I cannot, I just can't wait to get up there and do the Notre Dame games, followed by the Network Package games, and I can't even imagine that. It's just. Uh, it's like my dad, who coached for 40 years. My dad always says, you're Jesse James without a gun because you're stealing, son. And he's right. <laughs> and so that was sort of my next question, that uh, on weeks in which there is uh, a late-season Notre Dame home game, because our, our, our eight games usually don't begin until the first month of Nove- first week of November. So there, right. will, there will be, there will be uh, multiple suitcase uh, multiple suit weeks for you, I imagine, right? Is that the way it's going to go? It, it's not real bad. Our first two games for the network are the only two games where there's a conflict. So Oakland at San Diego on the 10th, then I've got to fly to directly in on the, on the red eye, I would imagine, into Washington because Notre Dame has a home game at FedEx Field <sighs> against Maryland. So for me, that's easy. That's like a home game. I'll drive home after that one. Right. And then the following week, the Jets are at Denver, and I've got to get right to Notre Dame for the Notre Dame-Boston College game. So they're the only two games where I'm doubling up. And if, if you knew where I came from in this industry, like years ago when I was doing three games and I was doing an arena game, a college game, a CFL game, I, I kind of laugh when people worry if that's too much. Yeah, right. Hey, listen, it's, you... just, it's, it's all perspective, and you remember it when you started. You and I talked about this. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, you were driving around from town to town trying to get work, it's that's what it is. That's where you come from. No question. Uh, conflicts are you. You you live for conflicts like that. I mean, that's that, <laughs> that's, right. that's what it's all about. That's that's why we lift all them scripts. You know. <laughs> I mean, this is what we're exactly. this is what we're doing it for. Uh, one last question on this: Did you have a history with Nestler at all? Do you know him? Have you ever met him before this? Well, the irony, yeah, the irony is back, and I'm going to say ninety three or four. Um, I was doing all these games for ESPN, and I was trying because I was a no name. I had to start on the sidelines, which really didn't like. You, you know me; I'm down there interviewing mascots. You know, think about that one. So, I got a call from. You know, I was doing the ESPN games, the low level stuff, and Canadian Football League stuff, and Arena. I was doing everything, and I get a call saying, "Hey, 
Adrian Clarkson is sick or has a family emergency, and you need to get to the number one game as a sideline reporter. I was like, okay. And it was Nessler and Danielson. So two weeks in a row, I was with those guys as their sideline reporter. This is, you know, back in like 94. And um, they were the only two times we worked together, but I've seen them around ever since, and I've got a healthy, healthy respect for his work ethic and how good he is. And uh, I'm really looking forward to working with him. Yeah, con- I, I think he gets it. Consummate pro. No question about yep. that. And, and, and yep. again, it's just amazing in this business. You never know, man. You never know who you may wind up working with again and how you wind up working with them for the first time. And now I'm really psyched that you're going to be uh, in the booth. And I get Thanks, I No, yeah. Please, I, I, I need more Mayock. That's what I need. I'm going to get it. <laughs> I'm gonna get it. If I if I may snap you out of the uh, the booch yep. steak cooking business and <laughs> and the Oakmont uh, the Oakmont glory trip that sounds fantastic. Uh, the draft. Now that we're all 254 picks are in, uh, I think everybody's still affixed on Ryan Mallett uh, going to New England. It, what if you could pull one out? of the whole draft that you think that uh, we'll be pointing at for years to come, which one do you think it might be? Uh, Let's face it. We knew going in it was going to be a quarterback discussion, and it was, especially that Thursday, which obviously turned into Friday with the Mallet saga. Um, So I I think the things we're going to be fixed on are what happens with Ryan Mallet. And to be honest with you, I think that story is going to be on hold for a while. And, and that's fine. That's what this, this process is about for that kid. And, and I agree with what we had talked about at the end of the draft, which is I think the kid end, ended up in the perfect scenario for him. He'll help his career. I think they'll keep him on a straight and narrow. I think the kid will understand what it takes. And then you look at, I mean, the picks I'm most intrigued about, it's not Cam Newton or Von Miller. It's 8, 10, and 12. You know, the Titans with Locker, the um, the Jacksonville with trading up for Gabbert, and then the Vikings with Ponder. And they're the picks that I just say, okay, you know, coach, general manager, you have now officially tied yourself at the hip with this young man, and the success or failure of your life's work will rise there or fall there. So what's kind of interesting to me, Rich, is when you look back three years ago, and we always talk about Matt Ryan and Joe Flacco and the success they had as rookies, and the common denominator was, really good running games in Atlanta and Baltimore and, and really good defenses. And it put those kids in a position to succeed because it was usually third and short and you were never 21 points down. And when you look at Tennessee and Minnesota and Jacksonville, they're running teams. And I really think that will play a significant role in their early development. Can you run the football and take the pressure off so these kids don't have to win games by themselves and, in the case of Jacksonville and Gabbert, I think he's in the ideal situation because he doesn't have to take the keys to the car just yet, where I do believe that Ponder and Locker will. You think Locker and Ponder this fall, they're the, they're, they're the first quarterback. They're, they're top of flow chart in uh, Tennessee and, and Minnesota, respectively. Assuming we get some kind of reasonable offseason and preseason, yeah. Now, every day that goes by, it's going to get tougher and tougher, and you're going to you know, if you're Minnesota, you better go buy some insurance when that that free seat, that free agent market opens up, um, because mm-hmm. who knows if Ponder is going to be ready? And it really, we're in that back into that surreal situation where 
how long are we going to be out, and what kind of off season are these kids going to have? Well, it looks like the 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 uh, we're, we're going to be out to July. You know, I mean, we're all sitting here with bated breath, waiting for the stay or ruling or not. But it looks like um, July might be the earliest that that something opens up. And at that point in time, it's just training camp only. I mean, this whole off season in which you can be coached up. I mean, you, you, your point was well taken on our live coverage when I asked you, well, hey, there was one day that, thir- that Thursday where uh, into Friday morning where playbooks could be handed out, but you're saying it doesn't matter without the teaching aspect of it. So it looks like that you better go get a veteran quarterback if you just drafted a rookie hoping to play him. I think, and again, if you're talking about July and training camps, and that's the way it was when I was playing. I mean, that's basically there were minimal – it was minimal off-season contact, and rookies came in in July and got handed a playbook for the first time, and for the most part, rookie quarterbacks were expected to wait and watch. And at this point, I think you've got to buy an insurance policy, and you're hoping that Ponder or Locker or both can come in in July and just take this thing by, by the you-know-whats and, and, and be ready to go. But you better have something ready to go that's a veteran that can calm things down and say, okay, Adrian Peterson's going to get 25 carries a game, and when, when they drop an extra safety in the box, I've been around the block and I know what to do. So, um, trust me, these teams know that the longer it goes, the more they're going to need somebody else besides a rookie. And it's it, it goes without saying Cam Newton's day one also, right? There's just no question about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, he's a, you know, I think he's just kind of old news for me because we're all assuming yeah, that he's right, the first exactly. pick. <laughs> you know, it, it's those other three that really intrigued the heck out of me. What about Dalton, day one? As far as a starter? Yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, you know, unless something weird happens, as we talked about with, with Carson Palmer, yeah. I, I think he's the day one guy, and they don't have a whole lot of insurance behind him either. So I would put him in the, that exact same boat. Um, speaking of insurance policy, you were talking figuratively. I'll be talking literally with the Buccaneers' first two picks with the Claiborne and um, and Daquan Bowers. Uh, in terms yep. of the draft of, of of medical red flags, these two are in the top five, if not one, two. Basically, uh, what are your thoughts now? We're days removed about what the Buccaneers went ahead and did. I'm intrigued, and is there some? Level of risk, yeah, but I think they modified it with the selection of Bowers in the second round. I mean, in my mock draft, I had Bowers going to Tampa Bay in the first round. Mm-hmm. I think I should get some credit. Yeah, very well done. He went there in the second round. Mm-hmm. But I, my point is, you got a guy with first round talent. You've mitigated to some extent your exposure because it's going to be a four year contract instead of a five year contract and significantly less upfront dollars. And if you got four productive years out of him, I think you'd be ecstatic. And whether or not he ever gets to a second contract is moot. To me, they rolled the dice a little bit, and I think it was a kind of intriguing roll of the dice because they're going to get a guy with a chip on his shoulder. And, you know, if that knee is 100%, even if it's for three years, that's a pretty good return for a second-round pick and a 51st pick of the draft. And with Claiborne, I keep going back to the kids had this his whole life. This is not a new thing for him. And if you like them on tape, and you thought he was a high-level player on tape, why would it bother you when you find out that he's got something like this? So, again, uh, I'm, I'm on board as saying I thought it was – were they both calculated risks? Yeah, but, but I think they did their homework. And when you start talking about plugging those two in with 
that that beast they have inside McCoy and, and Price, who got hurt last year, the second round defensive tackle. All of a sudden, they go from one of the worst defensive lines in the league to potentially, you know, eight weeks into the season, they could be one of the better ones. Yeah, they went one two, um, one two on the defensive line two straight years. Correct. Uh, and yep. so, you know, the, clearly they they, they have uh, addressed what they feel is a glaring need. I've got both uh, first two rounds in front of me here, and I, I'd i love to get your thoughts on which team you think got the most immediate help, that they can plug them in and can and get going. Uh, just For just the first two rounds, I, I see the Lions with uh, with Fairley, Titus Young, and they traded up for LaShore, who I know you weren't too yep. high on at the running back spot. That. That leaps out at me. The Giants with Amukamara and um, and then Marvin Austin. That that looks yep. like you can get some immediate help right there. Yep. Uh, I know the Cardinals yep. got Ryan Williams and Patrick Peterson. Which which one do you think uh, you could choose? Which one I, I, I've I've gone with, or just any one that I might be missing that you think right. the one two spot, and that you could even include the Falcons who didn't have a two. They just had the big one with Julio Jones. Where you think uh, somebody got some immediate help based on what what happened last week? Yeah, I'll give you a couple quick thoughts. I mean, for me, Detroit is a boomer bust draft. And the upside on Fairly Young and LaSure is highly significant. I mean, they could be, all three of them, have the physical attributes to play at a Pro Bowl level. Um, but all three of them have the potential to be busts, just for work ethic or off the field or, or whatever. So um, I'm really interested in tracking their careers, and I actually think that Nick Fairley's in a great place for him, even though I'm sure he's disappointed he didn't go higher. He, he's going to be right next to that beast hmm. named Sue. No question. Who, who's got a great work ethic, and you're playing the same position as this guy who was drafted a year ahead of you. He's going to have to work his tail off to stay up with Sue, and he's also got Vanden Bosch on the other side. So, I think he's in a really good position to succeed, and Another draft that we don't, not many people talking much about, but I'm, I'm intrigued by also is Baltimore. At, at one, two, and three, they get Jimmy Smith at number 27 because mm-hmm. of that snap. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so they get Jimmy Smith at 27, and he's a top 10 talent. And again, just like I said with Fairley, I think he's in the perfect locker room. Ed Reed, um, the middle linebacker, are you kidding me? With, with those right, two sure. guys... Rails. Ray Lewis and, and Ed Reed, he's got a chance. And then Torrey Smith at 58, the wide receiver from Maryland, is the vertical take the lid off the top guy, and he'll get snaps immediately and make those other veterans better just because of his speed. And I keep saying that John Reed, who nobody's ever heard of, the tackle they moved up five slots to get from 90 to 85, if he gets a chance to start by midseason going on you know, and, and learn at right tackle, and then you kick the other kid inside, the Iowa right tackle that's been playing out there, and then Michael Orr stays on the left side. All of a sudden, that one kid has solidified your entire offensive line. So, you know, I, those are, and, and by the way, nobody's talking about Arizona. And Patrick Peterson and Ryan Williams, they, Ryan Williams has got Pro Bowl written all over him if he can stay healthy. And they, so, took, they took Hausler in the third round, too, the tight end that uh, yep. I know we were we were very impressed with at, uh, at the Combine. Uh, I mean, and if you want to talk one, two, you got A.J. Green and, and Andy Dalton. I mean, that, that could be a completely remaking of an offense that has been in the face of Ocho and Carson for so long. Um, the Dolphins, yep. I mean, the Dolphins getting Mike Pouncey, I mean, if it's anything like his brother – 
that could be that could have a major impact uh, on that on that offense that's been in desperate need of 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 a jolt. But maybe they get it from from the line. Um, and then and just another one that I'm intrigued by: Alden Smith at seventh overall. Do you think that that was a reach, for the lack of a better phrase, with the the Niners? Not really, because as the as we got into the process, more and more his upside was so evident and. Uh, the other thing that made him even more attractive was that most teams, the four three teams thought he could play end, and the three four teams mostly thought he could play linebacker. So, when you're scheme diverse and all thirty two teams think you can play for him, then then your value goes up even more. So, I really thought he was going to come off the board somewhere in that twelve thirteen range. So you could say that it was a little bit of a reach, but if they get what they expect to get from him off the edge, and that's one of those things, their pass defense has been horrible and their ability to get to the quarterback has been poor. So if he can get some immediate pressure on a quarterback, um, that's an important guy right there. And, and you're right, Rich. You look around this whole thing, and every time you look at San Diego, I mean, Corey Legit, no way in the world I thought he was going to get to 18. Mm-hmm. Boy, is he a good football player. And, and then they got Marcus Gilchrist in the second round. So... As we go through all these different lists, um, most of the teams I look at, I'm really, and you mentioned the Giants, and you've got to throw Cleveland in there with mm-hmm. the trade the trade down and all the picks they got for it. There's, there's some, it's, not, it's a shame things aren't open right now because there's just so oh, much to look, to look forward to and, and just. You're telling me. I mean, because we even talked about at the top of the first round how the AFC South changed potentially in a half an hour with Jake Locker's yep. selection and Gabbert being selected by Jacksonville trading up and then the Texans getting J.J. Watt. And then uh, the NFC North had had a remaking with Ponder going at 12 and Fairley going at 13. Um, you know, the Cowboys draft is certainly one that people are talking about, you know, Teron Smith and then Bruce Carter going uh, you know, and then DeMarco Murray, uh, I left out with Miami. Daniel Thomas from Kansas State yep. went in the second round. I mean, there's a lot of kids. Uh, after Ponder gets selected, Kyle Rudolph goes to the Vikings. Um, you're you're not lying. I would love to see what these what these young men look like in their uniforms right now and get the and get the proper coaching up. But I I don't think that's going to happen. You know, it's it's frustrating because this. It, the last five minutes has been so much fun just talking football, and now we're back to the <laughs> five. I guess it's not going to happen. No, I know, I know. So then let's, in my last couple minutes I have with you, uh, the New England draft, let's get into it. Just uh, I'd love to get your thoughts. Uh, all You know, the running backs that were selected and um, uh, obviously Mallet. It, it just seems, it, it struck me also, again, as, he, as, as Belichick got – another first and second for next year that it, it, it did reek a little bit of a, of a team with 14 wins uh, being able to, to have his way again, not only building for the future with more picks, but also getting some young kids that he can plug in. Which one do you think is most ready to, to get going? Is it Solder or could it be one of the running backs? What do you think? Well, it's I, I think what Solder did was buy him some leverage with Matt Light and Logan Mankins. He doesn't have to re-sign Matt Light he can, but he can do it at his terms. So I think that's intriguing. I think Solder's a little bit of a project, but I think he's going to start at some point this year. Now, the two running backs, that didn't surprise me at all because there's a big back and a little back. And if you remember last year with New England, you know, they, they, they pick up Woodhead. They convert him from a slot guy to a combination slot tailback. Uh, ben Jarvis, Green Ellis was productive, but he's potentially a free agent. They hadn't really... Uh, 
you know, Kevin Falk and all those guys at, at some point during the year just kind of became either injured reserve guys or not involved guys at the end of their career. So they desperately needed an infusion of youth at that position. And I think Shane Vereen and Stephen Ridley are exactly what Belichick loves, which is a contrast. And he can come at you, spread the field with Tom Brady, and, and kill you in the pass game. And now, because they've got a couple of, you know, don't don't discount Lee Smith, the fifth-round tight end. He was the best blocking tight end in this draft. And now you've got him and Gronkowski and Hernandez. Which it gives Tom Brady and Bill Belichick more toys than ever to play with. So I think on the offensive side of the ball, it's scary. They didn't get as much addressed on the defensive side. And I still think there's some holes there. And Razai Dowling, I think, will be a valuable uh, contributor, big, another big physical corner, not unlike McCourty. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I like that pick. Uh, they still don't have that edge rush guy that they were looking for. Um, I'm sure they're hoping for Jermaine Cunningham to have a big year, too. Uh, but they don't have a natural guy coming off the edge that can just instill fear in an, in an opposing left or right tackle. Mm. They don't have that guy. Mike, I, I could go on and on with you. Um, I, I wish I could hit every team, but maybe we'll just do that uh, in the in the coming weeks. But in the meantime, thanks for the time. Hit them straight and cook them rare. Yeah, buddy. We're, we're going to get Boots real happy in about yeah. an hour here. <laughs> <laughs> you have any side? You have any sides? You're just going straight meat. Well, basically, and my son came home a little while ago to see how it was going. And I was like, Mike, all I have are, are I got 14 steaks, hot dogs, burgers, and rice. You, why don't you stop by and pick up some some dessert and pick up some some uh, lettuce and, and yeah. salad stuff? And he looked at me like that. We're just here for a steak, okay? That's your choice. All right, get it. Right, give them what they I want. Would, yeah, I was 20 on once, too. I remember. Cool. <laughs> Mike, again, congrats on, on uh, the uh, extra gig now with NFL Network um, in our Thursday night booth. And you were the best. You're the best at, at what you uh, what you do, certainly on draft weekend. And um, I want to just tip the cap to you again for another great job on our, on our draft coverage. And I appreciate you uh, reliving some of the draft with me on the podcast again. Hey, Rich, it was fun. And trust me, Bobby, you did a great job. And thank you again for Thanks. draft weekend. Appreciate it, pal. You take care of yourself. Yep. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Go and go get your show done and go enjoy your family. Thanks. You too. Take care, man. All right. See you, okay. Pal. Thanks, bud. Bye. All right. That's Mike Mayock, the one and only. Again, I'm sorry to all you fans out there that I didn't hit your team. I tried to hit some teams that I didn't hit with Mike, uh, Mike Lombardi on our previous podcast. I know all you Raider fans are always after me and after all of us that we don't cover your team, we don't talk about your team. Your team didn't have a first round choice. That that just it it's a it's a big issue in that respect. But you know, obviously, uh, getting Wisniewski for your line in the second round, um, going in uh, Demarcus Van Dyke with a with a guy from the U in your third round, you're sort of taken care of there. I think uh, with some two quality picks. Um, and again, for if you if you didn't hear it from your team. Uh, on these last two podcasts, we'll, we'll do our best to get to them in the in the coming weeks. But for the moment, uh, thanks for listening to this special standalone Mike Mayock podcast. Um, and uh, also download uh, the previous one from this week. Michael Lombardi, Rex Ryan, actor Rob Lowe, Marshall Falk, and Kara Henderson. And again, I have a, a, a not podcast, 
a way to fix the the biggest problem in the draft, which is tipping picks and seeing kids on the phone before the commissioner announces the picks in the first round. It's a huge pet peeve of mine. I know a lot of people are upset about it. But given listen to that podcast, I've got an answer, and I'm going to run it up the flagpole of the NFL. But I want to hear from you first as well. So you can always uh, uh, leave a message on the podcast page and uh, always, you know, listen and download and tweet. Follow me on Twitter at Rich Eisen, and you can always send me some feedback there. And also on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Rich Eisen. For this standalone edition of the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Papa John's, I'm your host, thank you, Mike Mayock, and signing off. Stay listening.